Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy for Catholic Studies Academy. And today we're going to continue our conversation on natural law. And so last time we did, uh, we did kind of the history and foundations of natural law. We looked at some of the evidence of it. Uh, we defined it, I then looked at the basic position of um, what we, what we call natural law, which is a universal unchanging set of moral principles that is available to human reason. And then we also looked at a couple of uh, different hypotheses uh, and the evidence for them, uh, and looked also at the bonum and estum, the uh, moral good. Can we get at the moral good, uh, just naturally speaking? Uh, and then we looked at uh, a couple of ways to, to find it as well. Uh, this week, what we want to do is kind of look at, uh, uh, turn our focus to a little bit on uh, some of the actual precepts of the moral law, and maybe look a little bit about how uh, we, we can develop them within ourselves. Because we talked a little bit last time how uh, everybody has, to some degree, uh, uh, an experience of or, uh, you know, um, some sort of connection to this natural law that they can understand some bits of it, um, but it's not perfect. It doesn't come out and it's sure. full and clear when we're born. Uh, mm-hmm. That it's something that uh, we all have to some degree and it's something that has to develop uh, uh, within us as we get, get older. It's something that has to be nourished and uh, um, kind of developed uh, by our parents, by mm-hmm. society, by uh, any by any sort of you know person that's in authority or that is teaching us. Uh, but we want to look today, probably at, at you know at some of those uh, moral precepts. You know exactly what they are and what they mean, and you know mm-hmm. are they really you know can they really be universal? Uh, yeah. I think that's you know, and kind of mm-hmm. the relationship between you know the natural law then and uh, uh, other kinds of law. So, um, uh, Dr. Smith, maybe to get us started, uh, maybe we could talk maybe some about the, the, the precepts of sure. the natural law. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so I think, Jason, what you talked, uh, one of the points you hit on there in your review uh, was <clears throat> the importance of cultivating the natural law, right? That is that even though all human beings have some actual knowledge of the natural law, Yeah. Uh, it's still the case that we have to develop that knowledge. We have to uh, grow in that knowledge, um, cultivate it, refine uh, our understanding of the natural law. I like to think about this almost kind of like as a uh, you know, practical logic uh, or, or moral reasoning. Uh, and when we think about that way, it kind of emphasizes the fact that, that what we're involved in here is a, is a way of thinking uh, and a way of thinking that has uh, its own structure, yeah. uh, its own logic, um, in a way that I think is kind of slightly parallel to um, uh, mathematics, right? Yeah. Again, <clears throat> we all have the ability to think in quantitative terms, <clears throat> excuse me, by nature. Uh, and there are some, you know, quantitative and mathematical no- uh, um, bits of knowledge we have uh, just by our own reason. Um, but um, this still, you know, takes a lot of work to to bring that out to fruition, right? And yeah. to to bring it into growth. <clears throat> so one place to begin, I think, is to to recognize that that morality is a is an empirical fact. 
uh, making that claim is, is kind of sounds kind of strong, especially in the context of modern philosophy. It does because nothing's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, um, or or you know, people mean by the facts just anything that's other than moral, right? Or anything the facts. There's the facts, and then there's all that subjective, squishy stuff. Yeah, religion, morality. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> all the stuff you do in liberal arts. That's the that's squishy right. stuff, right? Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I dispute that, and I think actually just common sense uh, stands in the way of that. We, what, what I mean is that we do morality. We are yeah. moral animals, and that is borne out uh, by everyday experience. Uh, that is borne out uh, by history. Right? I think it, actually it's it's just indisputable. Mm -hmm. that we engage from the empirical evidence, right? That we engage in moral thinking, that we are concerned with morality, that we think morally, that we, we have whole, like we have a whole language that revolves around morality. Like every culture has linguistic terms, right? Yeah, that absolutely. are specifically moral, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we, we need to start there, right? <laughs> Actually, uh, um, that there is a kind, that we are moral, that morality is a fact of human nature, put it that way, right? Yeah. As long as there's human beings, there's going to be morality. Um, now, we can think we can do morality uh, well or poorly, right? We can think in moral terms uh, with clarity or confusion, um, and the moral law, I think, gives us a you know sound basis for for thinking with clarity. So when you're thinking about, okay, I want to be moral, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I want to understand what morality is. Um, Thomas points us to, uh, and you hit on this again in your review, points us to a, an important psychological fact about us, which is that we always act for the good. Now, mm -hmm. as I said last time, lots of people get mis misunderstand that. That doesn't mean that we are always acting for what is morally good. Right. What it means is that we perceive a number of objectives to be desirable and some to be undesirable. Mm -hmm. Right. That's just built into our our psychological hardware. Right. Right. Um, you know, like um, you know, sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Right. I mean, like you know, really good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You don't go towards that and purchase one because you think, man, this is going to suck. Yeah, right? yeah. No. Right? <laughs> you go towards it and purchase it because you see it to be desirable in one way or the other. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, something like a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit is desirable uh, because it's bonum delectable. Right? It, <laughs> it is the delightful good. I think that's right? a new motto of McDonald's. I think you got it. <laughs> <laughs> bonum delectable. <laughs> Maybe I should... Maybe I should open up uh, a kind of uh, trendy, uh, 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 sophisticated restaurant called Bonum Delectable. Yeah, we can eat egg McMuffins and talk philosophy. There you <laughs> go. That's right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's the, it's the delightful good, right? It's what yeah. we pursue because we see it to be pleasurable. Um, now, again, just think about the word good is standing in for desirable, right? Mm -hmm. There are other things that we pursue, like medicine, um yeah uh you know exercise <laughs> because they're useful right so it's the bonum utile right or say paying your bills yeah. right or you know uh the you know the kids may not remember this but balancing your checkbook right <laughs> like that's a that's a that's something that's useful to do right yeah. 
Uh, it's desirable, right? Insofar as, and that's why you put it on your, your daily planner, right? Yeah. You say, okay, I'm going to pay the bills you know, on Thursday or whatever. Um, uh, it's, it's useful for you to do that for other things. Then there's a third category, which is the bone monestum, right? Mm -hmm. The honorable good, the honest good, uh, that which is praiseworthy, regardless of other considerations, right? Yeah. And that's the key point, right? And I think for Thomas and for a lot of the natural law tradition, that has to do with what is proportionate fitting to the agent according to who and what he is, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So what's praiseworthy you can't just sort of take it in total abstraction. Lots of people get confused because they think, well, what's just praiseworthy in itself? Well, first off, we're talking about praiseworthy for a human being, right? right, right not right. for an angel, <laughs> not for, you know, a badger, but for a human being, right? So, you know, um, what, what is fitting, what's proportionate, um, uh, what's consistent with being a human? Right, that would be sort of an underlying thing. You think, okay, well, what is a human? Well, you know, a human's a rational animal. It's a living kind of thing, right? Yeah. And so once you start thinking in those terms, right, or say being a father, right, well, being a father, uh, what's fitting and proportionate to being a father is to protect your children, to educate your children, to provide for your children, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, yeah, that, all those sorts of things, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I think that you that you hit on that's that is so that I think is so important for us to to recognize because many times I think Catholics, especially like when we when we understand the natural law or something like that, we just say, Well, it's natural. Everybody has it. But but <laughs> but you know, but it it's important to remember that, you know, uh, in the application of the natural law, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh not everybody has the uh correct perception of what is good sure sure uh, yeah. and so a lot of and, and that's what and, and honestly i mean that's what a lot of you know religious education spiritual formation what a lot of these things uh, uh one of their aims is to help form our our children or even us in mm -hmm. uh perceiving not just what is good but what is the highest good mm -hmm. uh, um and, and, you know, because, you know, many times those are going to be the really difficult choices between sure. choosing between what is good and what is good. Well, <laughs> is there a higher good there? You know, mm -hmm. we need to choose the higher good, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. we, and so uh, with, with the, the, like you said, the, the application of that uh, natural law has a lot to do with perception. And that's where, um, mm -hmm. when you talked about, this is part of the, 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 the cultivation of, mm -hmm. not, we not only need to help help people perceive what is good but right. also we need to help uh on the other side we also need to help develop those precepts of the natural law mm -hmm. uh so that when we do perceive the good we can act towards it that's right yeah yeah and i think you know you mentioned uh the precept there right or or rule um you know i think that this does have a rule like character to it at a practical level yeah uh, and you know <clears throat> you could think okay well now, now, if we think about the bonum and estum, right, as being that which is uh, proportionate to who and what you are, mm -hmm. what's consistent with who and what you are. When you think about it, if you act in a way that's contrary to that, then you're acting in a way that's contrary to your agency, right? Even yeah. to your ability to act, right? So if you act in an inhuman way, in a way that's contrary to human nature, uh, then, right, in a way, you're, you're negating yourself as an agent, right? Yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. You're practically irrational. Um, and so, uh, the alternative is to act in a way that's proportionate. Um, and, and the basic, most basic rule, right. Then is, is 
going to be traditionally formulated as to do good and avoid evil. Um, and the idea there, right, is that if you're going to pursue what is proportionate um, on a regular basis in a consistent way, mm-hmm. right, then you need to <clears throat> uh, do good and avoid evil, right? That's yeah. the most basic, it's sort of a presupposition, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to pursue uh, the good on a regular basis, you have to be committed to, if you're going to do, if you're going to achieve what's proportional on a regular basis, you have to have that as a consistent commitment, right? Right. Uh, do good and avoid evil. That's almost kind of a, um, as a presupposed rule, right? Um, for playing, you know, for, for engaging in moral reasoning. It's kind of like, you know, if you're going to play the game of chess, you have to be committed to following the rules of chess, right? That's like the, <laughs> the basic presupposition. If you just start like, um, you know, using your pawns, just, you're just jumping people erratically <laughs> around the board. You're like, Jason, what the hell, what the heck are you doing? You know? Well, then we're not playing chess, right? We're playing something else, right? Who are you to judge? <laughs> That's you know. right. yeah. You could call it Gale Checkers or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but, uh, Anyways, yeah, so um, uh, similarly with morality, right, if you're going to be moral, if you're going to pursue what's proportionate, that presupposes that uh, a rule, right, your, or your commitment to doing that which is proportionate and avoiding that which is disproportionate or inconsistent. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, and, the, and, the, and we understand this with, I mean, just absolutely everything, whether it be, yeah, chess, baseball, mm-hmm. uh, um, life in general, like there's, mm-hmm. like there's you know, certain... Uh, boundaries that you mm-hmm. operate within and when you go outside of those boundaries you enter into the realm of you know dishonesty mm-hmm. uh, uh cheating you enter into uh the realm of uh ceasing to be good and so yeah so and, the, and that's what that uh, you know almost everything even when you know we talk about you know uh love you know love mm-hmm. has boundaries and when you start to move out sure. of those boundaries you know we have mm-hmm. laws that mm-hmm. you know protect those boundaries and things like that so yeah we we and the thing is we understand that you know Mm -hmm. but but for whatever reason much many people in our society when it comes to morality they kind of throw off you know the shackles of those boundaries (laughs) and and kind of say well you know it is kind of like a chess game where you know it's all make up your own rules (laughs) yeah 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 and then, and, but, but what's funny is many times they will simply add a rule, immediately right. add a rule, yeah, yeah. as long as you don't hurt anybody. Right, it's right like, Okay, right, well, now right. you've just created a boundary to operate from within. Sure, that I sure. Can, that I can do. So, mm-hmm. so even, even the, the, the relativist uh, um, mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't, I mean, if you push them, they really don't hold to kind of this strict yeah. absolute relativism. Mm-hmm. That even, I mean, they have to, it's within the human person to understand that there has to be some sort of, uh, boundaries from within which we're going to operate and mm-hmm. flourish, mm-hmm. Yeah, however yeah. they define flourishing, but sure. Uh, sure. Um, that there has to be these, these kind of boundaries from which we operate. Um, mm-hmm. And if you operate well within those, well, then that's, you know, honorable and you know, sure. everything like you said. You know, I think that, yeah, I mean, our behavior seems to presuppose that this kind of reasoning is going on. Right. Yeah. yeah like you said, well, you know, m- most people really aren't relativists. What they do is they add a rule or an exemption or a caveat, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and, and by that, right, they, they think, like, okay, well, I'm so that I'm still morally good, even though 
I'm cheating on my taxes or cheating on my wife, right? Yeah. Does that make you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they'll 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 find ways to 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 justify or or, or change the rules or mm-hmm. make it so complicated that they can't be held culpable. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's the other. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Just, if you complicate the heck out of it so much, like it's just mm-hmm. it, the it's water's right, become right. so muddy that yeah, nobody wants to go swimming anymore. Right. Everybody just goes home. Yeah, like, it's yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I think it's it's helpful to so that most basic precept of the natural law is uh, do good and avoid evil, right? That's a basic presupposition of consistently uh, acting in a moral way and in a way that's uh, um, objectively moral. Mm-hmm. The uh, um, um, it probably is helpful to illustrate that with a couple of examples. Yeah. Right? So one of the most basic uh, concrete examples. And this might sound a little uh, unusual at first, but uh, or surprising at first, but um, is the 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 precept that um, you are uh, permitted, right, to um, engage in self-preservation, right? Uh, under normal circumstances, you ought to preserve yourself, yeah. right? You should preserve yourself. Uh, I would even put this in the imperative. Preserve yourself, right? <laughs> uh, under normal circumstances, right? Yeah. So, um, the uh, why is self-preservation a um, um, a right? You could say under natural law. Mm-hmm. Well, because uh, we're living kinds of things, right? We're rational animals, right? And it's consistent with our being rational animals that we um, um, act in a way uh, that perpetuates, right? Uh, human life, right? Perpetuates mm-hmm. our own uh, life, right? Yeah. Um, that's morally good, right? It's, it's morally good for you, like, you know, when you're, um, you know, uh, purchasing food, uh, providing shelter for yourself, uh, providing clothing for yourself, all those things that contribute to human survival, right? Those are, are morally good. You have a natural right to pursue those things. Now, by natural right, I mean, it's, it's, something that should not be taken from you under normal circumstances um, um, uh, because it's fitting to you, right? right. It's, uh, you, you have a natural law precept, right? Preserve yourself, right? <laughs> uh, practice self-preservation. Um, so um, because of that natural law uh, precept, you have a natural right to it. Mm-hmm. Right, that is a natural right to pursue your own uh, self-preservation. Um, does that make sense, Jason? Yeah, and and maybe this is maybe this would go too far off, but I mean, is this kind of especially as as Americans, is this what you know the founders when they said we have a, 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 a the right to pursuit of life? Yeah, we, I think so. Would, would that be included, mm-hmm. kind of, in there? Yeah. This kind of natural ability of self-preservation and self mm-hmm. uh, self-direction to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the way that that's derived is probably a little different because yeah. I think the um, the American uh, founding kind of flows out of maybe a different different ways of think a different way of thinking about the natural law. Sure, but sure. I still think it's I still think it is you know, you can still say it's in the broadest sense um, part of the natural law tradition and would be uh, similar um, to to what I'm saying uh, here, right? Which is that. Look, you know, we have to do good and avoid evil. That means act in a way that's consistent with who and what you are. Yeah. Um, 
part of what you are is being a living kind of thing. And it's irrational and inconsistent to act in a way that's contrary to you being a living kind of thing. It would be, you would be acting as if you weren't a living kind of thing when in fact you are, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, uh, irrational, right? You know, it, it, like, um, I don't know what the technical term for it is, but, you know, um, we're not the kinds of things that naturally fly by our own natural bodily powers. Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you were to act as if you were right, um, that would be dumb and irrational, right? Because you're not right to act as if you were a bird. Yeah. When in fact, you are not a bird is irrational. <laughs> How much more cleaner can you say it, Right. Yeah. So we should act as if we're living kinds of things, right? Because we are living kinds of things. We're not robots, which is important. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, yeah. I think kind of underlying all of this is a, you know, a, a proper anthropology or, or, or at least some degree of understanding of, of human nature, um, which I think is, is important for us uh, in the, the Christian sphere, uh, not just the Catholic sphere, the, the Christian sphere to, to reclaim a little uh, um, of, you know, because again, like we talked about uh, it, with, with natural law, we're going to seek out what is good. Well, how do we know what is good for something? Well, it depends on the nature of the thing. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and so we have, to, we have to understand a little bit more about um, who we are, the human person, things like that. And I, so, I mean, I think that's part of the, the kind of development of mm -hmm. the natural law within our, within our children or with, even within ourselves right. is, is to understand more about who we are and how to, and how, I, I want to try to say this without <laughs> referring, without sounding like some self-help guru or something, but, you know, we, we have to understand, uh, um, like, who we are uh, in common or by design, uh, not mm -hmm. like this kind of, you know, who am I, you know, kind of like, <laughs> I need to look within myself to find myself kind of a deal. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, you know, how, how was I created? Was I, was mm -hmm. I created with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, a particular law, maybe even written on my heart, you know, mm -hmm. uh, was I created in that way? So I think part of the, the development of natural law, especially within our kids has to be also this, this kind of correct anthropology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not sure. you know, divine navel gazing or whatever. You yeah. Know, right, right, right. So you're not suggesting we should be reading like Tony Robbins or something like that. Is that <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> okay. We're going to release the giant with him, Jason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to manifest my future. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> that's one word I wish I could just strike from the English language. Manifest. Manifest. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, I think it's good if you're talking about, you know, a shipping inventory, but in any <laughs> other context. <laughs> like manifest, that's okay. That's right. <laughs> not um, a verb. That's <laughs> not a verb. <laughs> I agree. Um, uh, and it, yeah, so um, I think you're right, but I think it, also you want to uh, allow this to be, I think, to, at a certain level, um, perceptive, perceptible, evident to yeah. common sense, right? That is, it, it doesn't, I mean, it only takes you to say it for everybody to be sort of like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah you know, you're not a robot, actually. I've been, I've, been, I've been called a robot on occasion, but, uh, <laughs> but in fact, I'm not, right? Uh, human beings are not robots. Human beings are not, um, you know, uh, pieces of furniture. Uh, we're living kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's, I mean, you just say, like, okay, yeah. Now, unless you're like really just trying to be like obdurate, 
right yeah. or strange um you know people are, are that that should that should elicit um you know universal agreement right right and as a living kind of thing i should act in a way that's proportionate to that now that you know that sounds like okay yeah but like gosh not very much i mean so act for self-preservation as a matter of fact it actually points us in the direction and and, and gives us a lot i think more than maybe we usually recognize in terms of our moral reasoning right mm -hmm. so you know i put it in the form of we can put this in the terms of a natural right that is that you shouldn't deprive me of it right um but i also put it in the, in the forms of an, an imperative or a duty right that is preserve yourself so that means jason you need to do things you need to act in a way such that you procure food shelter and clothing yeah now that's a question did I say that it should be given to you regardless of other considerations? Only if I'm entitled to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no, Jason, you go oh, and get a house. Sounds you so go and, and, and get clothes yeah. and, and, and food. And, and generally, how do we do that, Jason? Yeah, we do that through work. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, I just complicated the whole thing. Do you know we actually have a duty? So I, I mean, this is actually, yeah. uh, there's a lot here. You have a duty to labor. Yeah. Right? Um, to do work, right? Um, to, um, to engage our physical, and by labor, it, you know, we could take that in a broad sense, but to uh, engage our energy and our time in procuring the necessities of life. Right now, we might you might work for yourself, you might work for someone else. You know, there's lots of different ways that work can be arranged. Uh, you might even, uh, if you're a housewife, you might not work for compensation, but you're still participating in right uh, the use and procurement of the goods of life. Right? Um, you know, traditionally that's called economy. <laughs> Actually, like that's what economy is is not the is the acquisition and use of uh, the needs of life, right? Uh, the needs of the household. So, um, actually then you have a, a, a duty to labor. So let's say that you voluntarily, right. Um, without necessity, mm -hmm. right. Uh, decide not to work. Yeah, that's wrong and sinful. <laughs> that's right. It, it is right. I mean, I just Plain and like that, that's it. yeah. I mean, thank you, thank you for stating it simply, right? I mean, the um, you have a duty to work. You have a duty to procure uh, the procure and use the means of life. Uh, and if you shirk that, right, you're a malingerer, right? And strictly speaking, I don't know why everybody just freaks out about this verse now. But the scripture literally says, you know, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat, right? Like, yeah. now I think, you know, obviously we're not talking about the poor or the, you know, the indigent uh, widows, orphans, um, those who can't find work, that yeah, sort of handicapped. thing. That's a different matter. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a different category. But if you're just decide, I'm not going to do anything. Um, and I might even say something like, well, I've got a natural right to eat, Jason, so you should provide for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah like, no. The, a natural right is a protection, right? Mm -hmm. It's not an entitlement, right? Uh, it protects you from being deprived, being deprived, right? Right. Of uh, the means of life. It doesn't guarantee you, right, that it'll be provided for you regardless of other considerations. Yeah, and I think this, this goes back to what you said about 
um, kind of kind of being part of being part of your very uh, uh, nature, mm-hmm. and that when you don't act according to you know when a father doesn't act fatherly, that it really mm-hmm. it goes against his very nature. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, when a, when when somebody just simply decides not to work, mm-hmm. I mean that goes against the the, the very nature of of the human person because work is one of those things sure, sure. Uh, that is that is fairly unique uh-huh, to right, right. Uh, to the human person and that's then, true uh, you know, yeah mm-hmm. and even you know i think what was it pope pope leo you know talked about you know the 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 close relationship between kind of the the nature of man and his work that it's mm. and in some sense it's almost an extension of you know yes. of his of his yes. work in that sense mm-hmm. um that you 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 really have to hold the these two together, you know, and um, but in the connection, I think that that between those there is what you're is what you're saying is is that natural law the, the mm-hmm. that we have uh, not just not just a, a a right to do this, but we we have a, a moral moral mm-hmm. obligation right uh, yeah. to work. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's not only good for us. That's true, right? It's, yeah. In the sense, it's useful. Uh, it's probably also pleasant to some degree. Uh, but more to the point, it's praiseworthy in itself, right? Yeah. That is, it's obligatory, uh, that regardless of other considerations, for us to labor, right? Um, again, that doesn't always have to involve, you know, we think in our own economic circumstances, we tend to think of that almost exclusively in terms of monetary compensation. It doesn't necessarily have to include, include that. It may, uh, but um, it's not, that's not a necessary um, uh, point there. You know, the other side of this, and this is quite controversial, right, is that this involves a prohibition on suicide, right? Yeah. That is, it is it is contrary to the natural law for you to take your own life. Mm-hmm. That's so hard for us to kind of grapple with, I think, right now. That, that is, it's not just it's not just like a shame. It's not just sort of like, oh, you yeah. know, this is this is unfortunate. Now, let me just say, I understand that most people who who do commit suicide are usually in terrible and bad consequences or circumstances. And it may be the case, and probably often is the case, that uh, there's exculpating circumstances, that is, mitigating circumstances such that they don't endure the subjective guilt right. uh, that, they, that they might otherwise. That said, um, it's probably the case, you know, I, I, you know reading history, um, one of the things that comes up is people who commit suicide out of a sense of disgrace. Well, that's really about pride, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, and I think that's, that's bad. Right. Yeah. Um, now, again, we could, we could set aside the issue of, uh, of evaluating their subjective guilt. Um, that's not really our business. What we can say though, is that it's, it's, it's objectionable, right? Yeah. Uh, it's morally obligatory not to do that. So we shouldn't set up, institutions, public practices and processes um, that um, foster, right, uh, or, or, or profit from right? yeah. um, uh, suicide uh, because it's, it's morally bad. Again, setting aside, it's not just unhealthy, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, acknowledging, right, that we have to be very careful when we think about the subjective guilt, right, uh, of someone there. Does that do those distinctions make sense, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. And I think with with you know with regards to to suicide is uh, you know, and sometimes like I don't really like the word you know euthanasia. Uh-huh. Um, just call it what it is. 
Yeah, sure. You know, call it suicide. Um, yeah. You know, and I understand there's the. It's gotta be the, euphemism almost, right? It, it, it really, it, yeah, yeah. It really, it really is sometimes. Uh, and, and again, I understand the whole yeah subjective subjective guilt side of it, but we're looking at the 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 objective side of you know what a society should promote and what kind of institutions and structures it should set up. It should you know uh, it should set up those that uh, uh, help the 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 human person live out mm-hmm. you know that the natural law <laughs> do good and avoid evil. Uh, um, and you know, when a society begins to set up structures that are contrary to that, it, it just leads to a further mm-hmm. de- deterioration of that. Um, right, but right. within the, yeah, within the, the, you know, self-preservation, yeah, it should be fairly obvious. Yeah. Don't kill mm-hmm. yourself. Right. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah so, so actually when, when you think about it, right. Uh, that also means like you don't have a, uh, you have no obligation to, to maximize your health. You do have an obligation not to destroy it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you shouldn't be such a glutton, right. Um, in terms of food and drink and things like that, that you, you know, um, bring about a hasty demise, right. Uh, to yourself. Right. So there's all sorts of things actually just from one duty, right. You can actually start to extrapolate a lot of moral information. You have a duty to labor, right. Uh, you have a duty to preserve your health, at least minimally. You have a duty not to kill yourself, right? Um, with those things in mind, right, you can you can actually sort of begin to extrapolate a lot more uh, things, right? Um, one other one that's closely connected uh, is uh, the right to private property. Yeah, um, this is something highly in dispute, but you know. Private property is you know, private property can be justified in any number of ways. St. Thomas listed you know several ways in which private property uh, makes sense. Leo the Thirteenth and Rare Mavarum you know uh, speaks in very strong terms about um, uh, private property. In fact, the truth is you know Leo uses a Lockean argument there. He talks about about mixing uh, your labor with property mm-hmm. um, and, and that that, or with physical things and that that creates property. So well ensconced, right, uh, within the, um, the natural law tradition is the idea of private property. So let's uh, say a little bit about that. Uh, private property, proprium is the, the Latin root here when we're talking about property. And it means as if, as, as if one's own, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Thomas calls private property quasi proprium, as if one's own. By one's own, he means like this is my hand, right? right? When some that it's my hand in a way that if you were to take it from me, right, you would deprive me of part of my being, right? Um, I mean, that's kind of a graphic and weird and kind of yeah. violent example, but anyway, it's <laughs> it, it it is part of me, right? It's not all of me, but it is part of me. Um, the uh, private property means that, uh, you know, when I get my cup of uh, Thornton's coffee early in the morning, nothing like gas station coffee, um, then, you know, it's mine, right? You can't have it, right? Even if you're like, man, I really want some of that coffee, right? <laughs> like, you can't take it from me. It'd even be weird if you asked me for it, but <laughs> you can't take it right. I, it's, it's become, through that simple contract, that simple exchange uh, of money for the object, it has become mine, right? Yeah. Um, and it would be wrong of you to take it. And that's a kind of a trivia example, talking about coffee, but the, um, 
although there's nothing trivial really about coffee. Um, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> All jokes aside. All jokes aside. Um, but, you know, uh, so what that practically means under Roman law, and this is, I think, what was taken up in the tradition, is that you have dominum, right? That is, you have mastery or lordship over something that you own. Yeah. Uh, that means, practically speaking, you control it. And if somebody else wants it, uh, you can loan it to them. You, they can ask you for it, either temporarily or permanently. Um, you know, like, you know, if you borrow some tools from your neighbor, you know, haven't <laughs> given them back yet. Doesn't mean you're stealing them. It's just, you know, it's just temporary. You, you know? haven't fulfilled. <laughs> yeah, you, haven't, you haven't gotten the return part done. <laughs> but yes, um, it would be wrong for you to, the, right, to borrow them with the intention of keeping them forever, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're depriving that person of their dominum their mastery over their ladder, so to speak, yeah. right? Or whatever it is, tools you, you borrowed. Um, so now why, how would all this be tied in the natural law? Why do I have a yeah. natural right to it? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but the most basic reason is that I can be sure and secure in having the means of life, right? Mm. Uh, there are additional reasons, but um, it, it it's a way, if I can have mastery over objects, mm -hmm. right, over food, over housing, I mean, just think about it, right? Like, if I didn't, if I wasn't able to have mastery over food, then I would be basically, you know, either my food supply would be completely random and mm -hmm. hazardous, right? Um, or let's say that somebody can enter my house whenever they want and take food out of my fridge, <laughs> like then I couldn't be sure that I could feed myself or my family. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, like, that wouldn't make any sense or worse. Let's say that you set up a system where I had to wait in a bread line every day. Yeah. Right. Uh, to get, you know, my basket of my little basket of goods that the government distributes to you or whatever. Well, then I've just become a dependent, right? I, yeah. I've been placed in a situation where I can't really govern my own life. I can't be prudent about myself. Um, I can't, uh, act on my own. I have to basically become a child, basically put in the permanent status of being a child, yeah. right? Which is disproportionate to me as an adult grown man, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. And it, and it deprives you of, of many, many things because of that situation. You're deprived mm -hmm. of other things that you kind of, you, you have those natural rights to, you know? Sure. Uh, Thomas talks about the idea that, that having property, uh, empowers you to be virtuous, right? Yeah. It empower like a lot of acts of virtue um, depend on you having the control of certain amount of physical things. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be rich in order to be virtuous. Far from it. Um, but you do you need to, to have a oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to have a modicum, right, of things around you. Uh, or put it this way: having a modicum of things that you possess makes it easier, right, to carry out and more effective in your virtue. Right. So, you know, you can do things like clothe your children, right? educate your children, et cetera. Yeah. And this falls under many of the church's social doctrines, principles, subsidiarity, mm -hmm. and many mm -hmm. of the other ones come into play here. Uh, uh, you know, and, and I think it's important to point out that where there's the where there's the opportunity to practice and build virtue, mm -hmm. there's also going to be the other side of that. So it's, sure. it's it, but just because there is the the, the possibility of people acting badly mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we should you know like you sure. you know you you hear it so much today you know all corporations are greedy 
private property should be demolished. You know, like, <laughs> whoa, 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 hold on, you know, back yeah, the train, back, so, yeah. back your logic train up here. Let's, yeah, let's non sequitur. <laughs> Say it with me, kids. Non- <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah. So it, it's one of those things that just because there is the, the, the possibility sure. yeah. and even the existence of, of people that use their private property to create structures that we just talked about shouldn't be mm. created red right. lines and like all these things just because right. some just because somebody may do that or just mm. because the possibility exists it mm. doesn't mean that we should do away with the whole thing sure. I, mean, I mean for that reason you could almost abolish anything right exactly. I mean, you know like oh it can be abused therefore let's not do it okay yeah, well, the presidency that, I mean, yeah anarchy yeah. yeah human life yeah I mean, you know, like, <laughs> human reason you know, like yeah anything can be abused right right uh, that, that's not a reason to uh abolish it and there are good reasons to keep it and notice when I've been talking about private property, I talk about the means of life, right? Yeah. To some degree, that's, um, and, you know, we could talk about this some other time. I think more of the neglected uh, areas of thought uh, is about greed. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, <clears throat> the means of life, you know, there's a minimum. And to some degree, it's relative to the society in which you live and the time in which you live. Uh, I would argue that for most Americans, having a car uh, is, um, it's not an absolute necessity, like abstractly, but for mm-hmm. Americans, I think it's a practical necessity for most Americans, unless things, you know, dramatically, our you know, infrastructure dramatically changes, sure. you know, you do need to have a car, right? I mean, even there's even jobs, <laughs> I you know, jobs that you, sometimes you sign up, and like one of the prerequisites is, have a working automobile or reliable transportation, you know, it's just sort of a minimal, they want to make sure you can get there. Right. Yeah. Um, you're not going to so, be a pizza delivery guy. If you don't have a car. That's right. You bring your rickshaw, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it sounds like a Saturday night live skit. I will tell you, like, you sure try to pedal all over, all over middle Tennessee, getting pizzas cold. <laughs> anyways, um, the, uh, but yeah, so like, the means of life that doesn't mean like your third Ferrari, right. Or your yeah. fancy vacation to Hawaii. No, you don't have a necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have a vacation to Hawaii, but I would say that's kind of surplus. right? Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the means of life, living, a, a, a having a, you know, enough for today and tomorrow and we're to fulfill the circumstances of um, your state of life. Yeah. And, and, and to, I think, I think another important point is to understand that, the um, the ability for 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 humans to have private property is actually beneficial for the for the entire common good. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I think sometimes that they those two kind of get put together. You know, yeah. We, it's it, yeah. People are, have no clue what they're talking about when they talk, when they yeah, say. Yeah, but I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry to be harsh, but uh, your ability to contribute to the common good. Yeah. Right. Entails that you have private property, right? Yeah. 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 There's a confusion exactly. that, that that one and that we did a podcast about this, Jason. There's a confusion that that the government is the only agent of the common good. Yeah. Right. And I think, well, first, just from a just from a philosophical classical perspective, that's false, right? The government has a special duty. It exists for the sake of the common good. No doubt about that. Uh, and 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 without the common good, there's no reason for government to exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are th- those are th- that's true. But then we make this irrational inference to, and therefore it, it's the only thing that contributes to the common good. Far from it. Yeah. Right? For the most part, 
the common good is built up, right, by the parts of the political whole, right? right. That is by families, by local communities, by various voluntary associations, by companies, etc. Yeah, and it's a government's job just stay out of the way. Well, it's the, 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 the basic function there is to help those things. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's yeah, to protect so, those things. Right? Yeah, so I mean, I think a, a good way to look at it is, you know, you know, the government provides incentives to have children um, because that's where its future citizens are going to come from. It's not the government's job to have children. <laughs> like, oh, I was wondering where's he going here with this one. <laughs> So it's it's yeah, so there's, sure. there's a there's a, a good separation. Man, I tell you what, though, there there are plenty of pointy-headed experts out there who would love to have nothing more than to have government uh, child rearing, um, you know, centers, centers, yeah. of, you know, <laughs> go, uh, of government, of, you know, government, uh, you know, with all the right experts, right, in a committee, yeah. sort of deciding exactly like how to paint the room, kind of gender neutral, and and how to, you know, uh, etc. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that hopefully there's not too many people out there like that, but I think there are some. Yeah, well, and I mean, there was. <laughs> you yeah, think that basically parents are bad. Yeah, uh, well, well, and even those, you know, there's. It's sad, but there are there are you know hints of it here and there. I mean, there was a video a couple of years ago about some politician who came, I mean, she just flat out said, "Your children are not yours." Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like okay, you know, and then you have wrong, you know people but... that yeah. Then you then there's I, I forget where it was somewhere in Europe or something that said you know homeschooling deprives the child of a I forget exactly how they described yeah. the government that was, education that was that was in Germany. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, no, I'm just not going to take advice from you guys about this kind of stuff. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, with all due respect. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, 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 there's hints of it out there with with regards to that. Um, uh, but again, it, it, so much of it, like you said, it's it, it can be traced back to to this understanding of of natural law, right. to this understanding. Now, now, maybe how how can we can we see natural law connected to uh, um, say divine law or, how, or sure. can we make that jump or sure. how do, how yeah, do we yeah. understand the two? Yeah. So we've been talking a little bit about natural law and politics, which involves the connection between natural law and human law. Right. right? Um, but we can also talk about the connection between uh, natural law and divine law. I do want to make clear here that um, natural law can be known without divine law. That's important to say because yep. often when you engage in ethical debates or political arguments and invoke natural law, people say, well, don't bring religion into it. Yeah. Well, the natural law, the natural law actually requires the virtue of religion, but I'm just leaving that aside for now. The natural law doesn't, uh, um, doesn't depend on a particular religious tradition. Sure. It doesn't, strictly speaking, depend, uh, I say strictly speaking, in principle, it doesn't depend even on divine law, right? That mm -hmm. is what, what God has revealed, right? Um, uh, that said, uh, obviously, uh, divine law makes the natural law more known, more mm -hmm. evident, right? Mm -hmm. Divine law um, is, uh, I would say, you know, quasi-indispensable, <laughs> right? Yeah. In terms of knowing the natural law. In, in practice, right? Um, 
you can find the natural law everywhere, but everywhere you find it, it's pretty much distorted, except where divine law intervenes, right? That's a great way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's, let's define our terms here a little bit. Um, by, uh, um, so there's a couple of things here in mind. Sometimes folks confuse the eternal law and the divine law. Mm-hmm. Eternal law and divine law are not exactly the same. Right. From the highest point of view, eternal law is the law and the mind of God for all things. It's the totality of his decrees about, uh, about his universal decrees and his particular decrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it includes both the universal moral norms, right, that govern uh, um, uh, our lives, as well as uh, his particular decrees, that is his decrees about your life mm-hmm. and my life. Uh, about the United States of America, about France, about et cetera, right? So the idea here being that it includes providence, right? Uh, and it includes um, the moral law, right, uh, as well, right? So this is, the eternal law covers all, of, like the total design, right? All of the decrees within the mind of God about the way uh, the world should be. Because God is the supreme legislator, because God is, the creator and therefore Lord of all things. Um, uh, he, his decrees have his, um, judgments have the force of law, right? Yeah. So the, that plan in the mind of God, because he is the sovereign, uh, has the force of law and that's why we call it eternal law. Right Mm -hmm. now there's a lot that flows from that. Right. Yeah. yeah, And one of the things is, Divine law. Divine law is uh, basically, to be uh, put it as simply as possible, is the Bible, right? Divine law is what God has revealed about his general and particular decrees. So, right? uh, that, so, so what God chooses to reveal from his eternal law, that's right. we call exactly. divine law. Divine law, exactly, right? <laughs> Occasionally, my kids will hear me say, and that is forbidden by divine and natural law. <laughs> right. yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> Let's actually try that one out, Jason. Uh, <laughs> see how that works. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so it's what God, it, it's, you put it very well. Uh, um, in fact, you put it so well, why don't you say it again? Yeah, it's, it's, it's what God chooses to reveal from his eternal law. That's right. So yeah. God's yeah. understanding of absolutely everything in, his, in himself and everything mm-hmm. like that, he's chosen to reveal some of those things which we call divine law. That's but, right, it, yeah. but, but the, it's, but divine law is not, like you said, is not the entirety of. That's right. There's degrees. a lot of things that, yeah, he there's is, a lot yeah. of the eternal law is bigger than the divine law. Uh, just to put it simply. And, you know, for example, you know, uh, being a Thomist, you know, I hold a high view of Providence. And so mm-hmm. I think I, I don't use it as a euphemism to say that God's got a plan for your life, Jason. I think it's very literal, right. That he's got yeah. a plan. Um, and, but you know, that wasn't, that wasn't revealed in, in divine law, right? There's not a, there's yeah. not a chapter on, and Jason, Jason Gale. Yeah. Jason 316. <laughs> yeah. Right. I haven't found it yet. <laughs> so, uh, and so it shall happen to Jason Gale. But, <laughs> you know, uh, but anyways, so, um, uh, uh, yeah, you're, you're quite right. The divine law is more focused. Of course, it's primarily focused on what we need to know mm-hmm. uh, in order to, uh, you know, glorify God and, and to um, be saved 
and to reach our ultimate end, right? Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, to, to, to know, love and serve God in this life and enjoy him forever in the next. Right. So, um, that, you know, the, that's our, um, um, that's what is revealed in divine law. Right. Um, now, the, of course, divine law, if you think, again, sacred scripture includes lots of different parts, right? Sure. And, you know, some of it is less law-like than others, right? In a certain sense, you know, in our general way of using the word law. Um, but I'll just briefly mention that we can move on. There are, um, usually divine law is, di is divided into ceremonial law, um, juridical law and moral law. Mm -hmm. um, the ceremonial law, of course, revol revolves around the sort of temple worship, uh, you know, the liturgical rites of the um, of the old covenant. The um, uh, uh, ju juridical law involves the law about um, the state of uh, the kingdom, I should say, <laughs> the kingdom of Israel, right? The historical kingdom of Israel under David. Um, and, and also the sort of mosaic uh, arrangements before they get to the kingdom. Um, uh, those are no longer, neither the ceremonials or juridical are any longer in effect, right? Um, because Why? Because uh, they have been, you know, we give you a false answer, why? Because they were awful and bad. No. Um, uh, and that was the God of the Old Testament and Jesus, Jesus changed all that because yeah, the Old Testament God was evil. Love false right now i will say this look the old law the old especially the juridical law whew, i mean it was tough right yeah. um apparently god at that point well, never mind, I won't say it, <laughs> the there are things in the juridical old law that uh, that include like stoning rebellious sons right to death yeah. right um so hmm. anyways just let's say it's interesting to note given the way that we talk about god today just noting it um the um, uh, what what St. Thomas and others say about the ceremony and juridical law is even though it's no longer binding in the strict sense, uh, it's still instructive, yeah. um, which I think is really interesting, especially the way we regard a lot of that stuff, right? Um, uh, you really think about it, those forms of law are were legislated by God, right? And so they are instructive, right? I guess you could say. Um, then uh, the, the final bit is the moral law. An easy way to sum up the moral law, right, is it's that permanent part of what should and should not be done morally. It's that permanent expression of the moral good. Mm -hmm. It's a permanent expression of God's own essence and character. Very importantly, in St. Thomas's view, uh, you know, the, the moral law could not have been different than it is, right? Yeah. Because it's a reflection of God's own essence, right? That's so important. Otherwise, you start to slide towards voluntarism. Right. Um, but um, uh, you know, basically, we could sum that up in the Ten Commandments, right, uh, as being the, the, the moral law. Uh, is that helpful, Jason? Yeah, so then natural law comes in. That's right. And yeah. it's, it's, it's how we uh, um, participate in that mm -hmm. or how we interact mm -hmm. with, yeah. with that divine law and even, I guess, the, therefore, you know, the eternal law. Mm -hmm. But 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 based on, uh, based on the things that God has revealed, or that mm -hmm. God has made available to our human reason and sure. our exercise of freedom, yeah. that's not necessarily bound up with divine law. So it's sure, sure. it belongs within the eternal law, or, or mm -hmm. we're participating in that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's but it's made available 
uh, uh, not through just some kind of uh, um, divine decree, like, you know, divine sure. revelation, is, sure. but sure. just made available through that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the way to imagine that is overlapping circles. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that they don't, you know, they don't entirely overlap. Right. But the, but they intersect and um, you know, that part, uh, basically the natural law just is that part of the divine law that we can know with our natural reason. Yeah. It's pretty much, I would, it, let me be clear. It's not a hundred percent, but let's say it's 90% uh, identical to the moral law in uh, sacred scripture. So, yeah. you know, like St. Thomas explicitly says, you know, with the exception of the Sabbath commandment, um, all of the 10 commandments are natural law. Right? Including honor the your, first, including the first, the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that we have to honor God, right? Yeah, uh, they worship the one true God. That's called the natural virtue of religion, right? It's it's immoral to. Is am I allowed to say this? It's immoral to worship to offer worship to anything other than God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. that, that's called the sin of idolatry. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, <laughs> so, so I think that's a, I think that's a huge, a huge point, you know, go back to, I think we said this in the last podcast, but you know, St. Augustine said, you know, uh, what man ceased to read on his heart, God wrote on the tablets, you know, referring yeah. to the 10 commandments, you know, that there, that when we talk, cause sometimes I think when we talk about the natural law, it simply gets reduced to how do we interact with each other? Mm, right, I shouldn't, right. I shouldn't kill you. You shouldn't kill me. Am yeah. I going to steal your stuff? Vice versa. But we, God very rarely makes an appearance in natural law, uh, or at least natural law discussions today. I yes, think. that's right. But it's the first one. But, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, and I think a good way to to understand, or, or or a good way to begin to put God back into that conversation is to understand that you know by doing things like like we've like we've talked about uh, today with you know uh, um, um, with work you know work and mm -hmm. private property and things like that, that that's actually a participation in the eternal law. Sure. It's just what's different about it is how we come to know it, understand it, process it, that mm -hmm. it's not through divine decree uh, or it's not through divine revelation. It's, mm -hmm. through, the, it's through the way that the, the, the natural abilities that God has given us, namely our reason, our freedom and our will, you know. Sure, so, sure. Uh, um, so I, I think that's I think that's a good way, maybe for for Catholics to begin to to kind of put back put God back into our <laughs> our conversations about, <laughs> about natural, natural law. law. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I think. Um, uh, can I just uh, add a little bit more here? I know we've gone yeah, long, yeah, but final point. Speak, yeah. yeah, the the natural law is related to human law as well, um, right? And that is that. Human law, right, is the political law that's developed. It's kind of the positive law, right? It's the positive law that's developed within any um, political community. It's it's what's written in the statutes. It's yeah. you know, it's it's what's written in the law books of a given political community. Uh, the human law is not a copy of the natural law, mm -hmm. uh, but it is broadly speaking based on the natural law. That is, yeah. human law should be consistent with the natural law um, and not, and um, at least in principle derivable from the natural law. Now saying that, I don't think that there's just one, one good human law, right? Yeah. I think to go back and go, going back to self-preservation and think about traffic laws, there's a lot of ways in which you could probably arrange traffic. 
in a reasonable way that would be respecting and consistent with the the precept of self-preservation mm-hmm. right but there's you know the, the natural law doesn't tell you well you should drive on the right or you should drive on the left right it doesn't i thought tell it's you. the right i'm <laughs> pretty sure that's in there it doesn't tell you exactly the the, the arrangements you should have. yeah 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 it just it needs to be consistent with it so the, all of those things actually tie together and we can see the natural law is kind of a bridge a connector right that should at least inspire in broad terms our human law you know, uh, so human law should include some uh, provisions for private property, uh, for self-preservation, right? Um, for labor, for the ability to earn, you know, yeah. your living, those sorts of things. Natural law also ties us, right, to the God who reveals himself in divine law, right? Um, so divine law is broader, right, than natural law, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, again, natural law is consistent with and an expression of divine law. Yeah, and this is why it's it's fitting for, you know, courthouses to have the Ten Commandments out front. Um, because, you know, it, it, it really, it really I think, shows the connection that we're, we've been trying to make here. But also, uh, you know, showing, you know, because if, if, if the Ten Commandments, if that is not there, then what becomes law is simply determined by uh, power and might. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think there was, you know, a famous philosopher that said something about, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure, li- sure. living, living that kind of way. So, yes, yeah. yes. so, you know, it's, it's, it's very fitting that, that, you know, a, a Christian society not lose, not lose sight of that or not, you know, try to mm-hmm. abolish the 10 commandments out of our courthouses <laughs> uh, because then it just becomes the, the, the power, you know, the, the will to power, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Yeah. All right, Dr. Smith, I think you've given our, our listeners a lot to think about. Uh, and um, I, I hope that, you know, you go through this, read about natural law, eternal law, divine law, all those things. Uh, they'll, I think that they'll, they'll help uh, kind of bring back some of the, uh, um, the, the understandings that we need to create societies where we can flourish as human beings uh, in, a, in a free and equitable way and the proper meaning of each of those terms. Uh, and so uh, I want to invite all our listeners to uh, head over to catholicstudiesacademy.com check out all our courses our content over there and in the meantime uh, God bless